Welcome to Archery Talk 101 podcast, your guide to better archery skills. We'll bring you the latest tips, tricks, and expert advice, but that's not all. We'll also have interviews with top archers and industry professionals and reviews of the latest gear and equipment and much more. Hey, we have a special show today. Hi, my name is Roy Canterbury. I'm your host today on Arch Talk 101. And we have Henry on the line, and he's going to spend his part of his special day with us. It's his birthday today. So happy birthday, Henry. Thank you, Rick. And uh, you, Rick. welcome to the show. And uh, uh, introduce yourself and tell us a little something about you. I'm Henry Hawkins. I'm out of the uh, Washington, New York area, Buffalo, New York. Um, been archery hunting since, oh, God, I've been 18 years old. Uh, going to be 54 this year. So that's quite a long time. Uh, work at our local archery shop up here in Buffalo, Docks Archery out of North Tonawanda. And like I said, archery, I, I love it. There ain't nothing like it. Yeah, See a lot of local uh, leagues and events and stuff like that. So what do you do at the um, uh, archery store? I'm one of the associates there at Tech. I, you know, I put the bows together, uh, help do some repairs on them, fletch up arrows, cut arrows sales stuff like that yeah all, all the fun stuff getting to talk oh, to yeah, new archers fun stuff. yeah i remember when i had my store that was the fun part is getting a new archer come in there and and getting them all set up and getting them set with what they needed uh, not what you wanted to sell them um you know my my, my thought was i'm going to sell them basically the the least expensive item that works for them you know that exactly. was the, the, when they come in brand new, um, like we just had somebody in, in the, the group ask, you know, what do I do? I'm looking for a bow. And, and I said, well, start with, or here's, I had a checklist uh, uh, that I can make available for anybody that wants it. But it's, uh, um, you know, what do you want to do when you first go in? You know, one of the first things you want to ask was like, what do you want to do in archery, right? You know, so you know whether, whether you want to be in a recurve, a longbow, a compound, um, uh, crossbow yeah, yeah exactly exactly and you know i can't i can't tell you what to buy it's all in your feel it's got to be how it feels to you to handle the draw cycle the whole nine yards i can't tell you oh, this bow is going to be perfect for you because it may it may be perfect for me it may not be perfect for you right so it's got it's got to be what feels good to the person who's buying that equipment to be good for him yeah, I, I know not all bows are going to fit you. I know when I had my store uh, as a PSE dealer in Browning come out with this counter-rotating cams. <laughs> as you drew back, one rotated one when you rotated the other direction. And it's like, oh, this is cool. You know, I want to shoot this one. So I set it up for me. It's like, no, it was not the bow for me. I could not get it to fit me. And it's it just, for me, it just didn't work. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, that was that was a weird one when they came up with that. Yeah. that you remember that one, don't you? <laughs> oh yeah, it was a weird one. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was unique. It was something different, and and I was like, well, hey, let's let's try it. And and there was just something about the way the bow fit me that didn't work. Now, right. I imagine there's others, you know, like like the PSE Baby G. You either loved it or hated it. There was no in between. It's like, yeah, that's okay. No. It, either it beats you up or you, sh you you liked it. It was just a weird one that, you know, some liked that, it, some didn't. That was like the original PSE Omen. Some liked yeah. it, some hated it. 
yeah that's uh um that's you never know and exactly so what which bows do you sell there at that shop oh we're let's see we're a bear psc darton athens and we have some apas from uh in stock up there some of them I, I, you know, was was around when I was doing my store, and some of them was like, yeah, I never heard of some of these bows, and they all come out new ones, and and you know, I, I had people come into my store, and I didn't sell Madden's own PSE and uh, and Browning, because uh, you know, once PSE bought them out, I could I could order the Brownings on there, um, you know, it's like, well, my next bow would be the best bow, which one's that? And they'd always say like a Matthews. Well, quit listening to their ads. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's it's not the best bow. Are they great shooting bows? Oh, yeah, they're good shooting. You know, I had one. I had a Matthews Q2 before I become a PNC dealer, and and I shot it great. It was good shooting bow, and when I become a PNC dealer, there's no way I could be shooting a PSE. So I said, well, which which bow sh I'm shooting? I when I was down there, part of the dealer school, you was, the cost was you got one of the bows. You, you pick whichever one you wanted. And I went down to Thomas, like, okay, right now I'm shooting a PSEQ, or I mean, a, a Matthews Q2, which one should I be shooting? You know, that's going to give a run for its money. And and they said, well, the PSE, um, yeah, Carrera. Um, I oh, still have yeah. it. That's my, that's my hunting bow. I still have it, still shoot it. And once I set that up and start shooting it, it's like, yeah, okay, I no problem selling the Matthews. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. You know? Like right now so, I'm shooting Matthews. Yeah, and that's a new one that I haven't haven't had a chance to shoot. And I know Darton's been around for a long time, and, and of course PSE and and Bear and um, you know a lot of them have been around for a long time. And you know, I, I tell you, it was like most of the bow manufacturers nowadays, it doesn't matter the one that fits you. Exactly. 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 They're all they're all good. Just like I said, it's uh personal well not personal preference it's fit it's got to fit you yeah and, and i'll tell people sometimes like i i can fit you in a two thousand dollar bow if it don't fit you go to the pawn shop and buy a three hundred dollar bow setup if it fits you it's a better bow for you exactly exactly yeah and, and when i had my story even though of course the more I sold, the more I, you know, I made because, you know, I'm completely on commission because if we don't sell it, I, I, I got to eat the cost, you know, and, and I would still yep. go through and, and tell them it's like, you know, especially when you get into stabilizers, there is, as you probably know, there is a whole range from just a hunk of aluminum to the big fancy ones. And uh, when the PSE, the Novas used to come with a stabilizer at one time. And when they stopped doing that, then I'd put on the, the cheapest stabilizer I had and have them shoot it. Then I'd put on a more expensive stabilizer and shoot it. And I'd say, can you tell the difference? No, buy the cheap one. If you can't tell the difference, why spend the money? And on the same thing on bows. You know, I my my idea was I'm going to sell you, well, at that time it was PSC Nova. I'm going to put you into Nova, uh, the Nova kit, you know, which is nice about those. They come with the sight, the rest, the quiver. Um, some of them come with sling and stabilizer, and, and then I would make sure if they didn't come with a stabilizer, I'd put a stabilizer and a sling on it, and I put a half dozen arrows with points on it, 
and I give you, you know, at that time, um, PSC had these really, really cheap releases. I, we sold them for like 20 bucks and my cost is like 11. And I included that in the kit. And then that's how I set up. Plus it was set up and correctly. And I give you a shooting instruction with it. Nobody could price compare it. Cause you go to Walmart and buy the same bow, but this is plain kit, no arrows, no setup, no nothing. And I actually had a guy come in and say, Hey, um, what would, what would it uh, cost me to have you set up my bow? Or first he asked, can I, could I set it up? And I says, well, you can bolt stuff on. Doesn't mean it's going to be right. I charge $40 to set it up, a, set up a bow. You know, I didn't sell you. And, uh, and then also I include uh, shooting instruction. He says, well, I think I'll take it back and buy it from you. <laughs> yeah, we do the same thing up there, Doc. So after you buy the bow from us, we set it up and uh, whatnot. And then the, when you come in to pick it up, go out on a range, we show you how to shoot it, any final little adjustments and stuff like that to it, you know? Yeah. And make sure you're sighted in before you walk out of the shop. Yeah, because, you know, last thing we want to do is have a new archer um getting out there and don't know what they're doing and get hurt or lose all the arrows because their sights aren't even close and they don't know how to set them and um you know one thing we never did is like can you set it up for me and and sight the pins in it's like then i'd have to go shoot your deer for you <laughs> oh exactly well, <laughs> yeah because it's set up for me <laughs> i can get you close but i can't get you right on for you right and and uh, you know if you like you've probably done so many of them that now i can basically just about get it set up where it's really close right right off from setting them up you know just eyeballing it you know you can you know i yeah you know, i can take you know what i used to do is take a look at the string center and riser i center the the arrow so that i looked right straight down there take the pins because you're using a peep line them up with all that and now the left and right is pretty close and then you can you know the up and down best what you had to do and you know out of the box that way with the basic setup uh, from doing so many of them i knew basically how to get it set up and at least get your clothes. Get, yeah, getting at least hitting the uh, target bell, you know, you maybe a foot or so low, but still at least you're hitting a bell and we got somewhere to work with. Right. And each anchor point is going to be different depending on where you anchor. Now, I always thought with a wrist strap, taking the the knuckle, you know, right there at the hand and putting that in back, back of the jawbone right there in the pocket of the ear, and that's a good starting point. Now, we adjust. You know, I, I always say, like, okay, this is how you do it, and this is why, and then then we modify. Yeah. That but that's where we go. We go right into that uh, little nerve, that little pocket right here on the jawbone with that knuckle, and right. hopefully hit that every time. Yeah. That's actually a, a great pressure point. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Put I actually put it in there. <laughs> Before I shoot, sometimes I'll go and I'll stick my finger in there for a little while and just kind of flirt that pressure point up so I know when I hit it with my knuckle that I'm in the right spot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I never went that. I've had that pressure, you know, doing martial arts, I've had that pressure point worked on a few times. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, it's there when you hit it right. Uh, oh, yeah. And and it's it, it's such a, a cool pressure point because as long as you're stimulating it, it keeps hurting. As soon as you stop moving oh. your thumb, it quits hurting. So yep. it's not a it's not a pressure point. It's just you have to keep moving it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Kind of, kind of fun thing. So you know, and and the way I teach, I've kind of incorporated martial arts. I did hapkido for about twenty years, and, uh, and now I I'm probably a little bit too old to do too much of it anymore. But 
uh, you know, I incorporated what I learned when I went to school and learned the back tension release and incorporated that along with the martial arts. And then that that's how I, I you know, I teach. I've combined them uh, into because body mechanics is body mechanics. And, you know, some of the things I learned in martial arts I incorporated in, in my archery teaching. And, and then I was I, what I teach. I always tell them it's like why I'm telling you to do this. You know, without the why, it's like, uh, do, uh, why am I doing this? I told you so. Yeah, that don't fly. They're not going to do it. It's like, why am I doing this? Well, this is why. And and it seems to, to stick a lot better. Yes, it does. It definitely does, especially with the younger kids that we get in. We run a couple of youth programs throughout the winter and summer and work with them to make sure they hit the right pressure points like that with the compound, with the releases. Once they hit that and start shooting great, you can see the look on their face. It's just like, oh, yeah. Wow. And they have so much more fun when they're shooting better. Oh, yeah. Compared to when they can't find a target, you know? Yeah, that, it's definitely uh, uh, better when they, they hit the target. The, uh, the, the nice ones is when somebody comes in with somebody else that's looking at a bow and, and they, they say, hey, you want to shoot one? It's like, no. Nah. It's like, well, let's set one up. Let's just shoot one, one, one arrow. And then they finally agree, okay, I'll shoot one arrow. And then as soon as that arrow goes on, they say, ooh, this is fun. Can I do it again? <laughs> we get that a lot. <laughs> Especially with the recurves. We do a lot of recurves up there. And, uh, you know, a lot of our lessons are done with the recurve. And, you know, a kid in the mouse goes, can I try that? Next, you know, she's buying... The kid a ball, and a week later she buying her softball so she can shoot with her kid. You know, yeah. You know what? What better time to spend your time shooting archery? You know, with with your kids and exactly. It, it, we see it probably almost daily up there with people doing that. Huh. James, one of the guys in the group, says that you're never too old. It's just that stuff doesn't quite work right. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. You're not too old to get into archery. Yeah. 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 Archery is one of those sports that, uh, you know, with a five pound bow, you can get three, four, five year olds shooting them, you know, and even yep. get starting off with the little toy ones that, you know, you know, you could start them off at three years old and, and shooting. And, and I, I know my, my youngest, he started when he was in Cub Scouts. Um, actually, probably about, he started shooting a lot of archery um, probably 20, almost 23 years ago now. And he'd come down to the range, you know, and he was like five years old in Cub Scouts and he'd come down and he'd shoot all day long at the range, come down and, and shoot. And he had a whole pile of arrows, you know, you know, all the arrows that are too short for, for me or anybody else, you know, you, you cut them down and you make them work. And he'd it, it just, he'd probably shoot 20 or 30 arrows and then go pull them and then shoot 20 or 30 arrows and go pull them again and do it all day long. And um, yeah, had a lot of fun doing it. And I even had his Cub Scout back come in and shoot one day. They had a lot of fun. Oh, that, yeah, so that, that, we get Cub Scouts and Girl Scouts come in and some of these kids have never touched a bow a day in their life. And then at the end of the session with them, can we come back and do this again? You know, smiles on their face, laughing and giggling, you know, the whole nine yards. And it's just, it's awesome watching them do that, you know, from never touching a bow to 
hitting bullseyes and wanting to do it again. Yeah. It's it's just you got them hooked. That's the point. You get them hooked. And my opinion, kids and younger adults are the future to this archery business. Right. Yeah, I, I know that, you know, the, the kids can learn, you know, a lot more than what what you realize they can. Uh, I know when, when my son was in Cub Scouts, we went out to the scout camp up here and of course they had archery up there and and the the guy running the range, my son's on the range, and I'm not really paying attention to him because he knows what he's doing. And uh, in fact, one time, uh, you know, they always had to have a parent behind them. And I was like, I let some other parent go behind him. And I picked another kid. I went down so I could help him out because I think my son probably knew more than the guy standing behind him. <laughs> but they just had to have an adult behind them. And uh, I remember one time he was up there shooting and he raised his hand and and, and the guy comes over and is like, yeah, Jerry can help you. And he says, the knock point's off on this bow. <laughs> he knew enough as a you know a six-year-old to know that the knock point wasn't right wow wow <laughs> yeah. yeah you know it's uh it's it's one of those things that um you know he'd shot enough he knew where it's supposed to be and it wasn't there and he knew something just didn't feel right to him yeah yeah, yeah. and you know i was expecting to shoot really well because he always shot really well and and it was a lot of fun and you know when i when i closed my store i took a lot of my um traditional type archer equipment, the arm guards, the gloves, tabs, and took it up to the scout camp and said, here, you can have them, you know, because selling wasn't going to do much good because I sold a bunch of my releases, my Scott releases on eBay, and they, they went for like 10 bucks a piece, and, and that was probably a third of what I had to pay for them, <laughs> you know, right. nobody really wanted them, so if I'd have known that, it's like, I got to took them to the, the one archery store and sold him for, um, you know, half of what he's going to pay for him new and you know i'd still make more money but you know you learn once you put them out there and then it's kind of hard to back out but that's why i don't do the ebay anymore <laughs> ebay is funny sometimes with stuff yeah. like that you just figure out how, how can you sell something so cheap when you work in a business know what it costs but how can you sell that same thing online as cheap as they are yeah. sometimes or expensive they are you know yeah, it, it, it could be that, you know, they they went, you know, like when I closed my store, somebody come in and says, I'll, I'll buy all your archery equipment here. You know, I'll give you um, 30 cents on a dollar and I'll buy everything all in one shot. And, and sometimes if you're closing, it's like, well, okay. <laughs> and, and then then you sell it and then they, they can sell it for half, half the cost of new and, you know, wholesale and still make money. Right, right. That, that is true. I know uh, I used to, I've been in the outdoor business, you know, probably majority of my life and worked at a couple of bait and tackle shops up here in the Buffalo area. And shops I worked for, they bought out a couple of stores that were uh, closing down. They did the same thing and then they come back and they can sell it at shows and trade events at a third of the cost of what they sell them in their store and still make a dollar off it, you know? Right. Well, that's just business. Yeah, exactly yeah. business yeah you, you, you buy wholesale and sell retail and anytime you go yep. buy anything you're paying retail you know that store owner did not pay that for it but oh yeah it's a 40 or 40 or some odd percent markup on everything yeah well and then uh when i was in in the roller skating area if, if you paid a hundred dollars for an item you sold it for 200 you doubled your money yep. and yep. you know other places aren't 
that quite quite of a markup and other things are you know it depends on what exactly. you buy it for and, and when you can make a little bit more money on it and, and you know not gouging them on the price you know if the the price sells for a hundred dollars and you're trying to sell it for 150 or 200 uh, because there's a shortage on it that's um i think that's kind of a uh not not a good way to do business because then uh, when they come back down everybody remembers that you tried to gouge them <laughs> exactly exactly yeah and i i, I remember um my guy one time he says he's he, he's this guy come in he says yeah um i don't remember the guy's name he sent me in here because he said uh he, he knows that i won't try and oversell him because some of the, the archery stores would oversell him uh, especially those that the salesmen are working on 100% commission. So you've got a $20 item and a $50 item. They're going to recommend the $50 item because they make more on, on their commissions. Yeah, where right. I, I'm, I'm not going to push you into something that you can't afford, something that you're not going to know the difference. You know, we talked about on the, the uh, stabilizers, you know, that, you know, buy 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 what you you can afford and and that's why i recommend i always sold a lot of the psc novas you know they come in if you remember right they come in three different lengths and right and left-handed and what i did to, to accommodate any archers i had two right-handed bows and one left-handed bow in all three of those that's what that's what i stocked and it's kind of interesting how the last year i had the store 40 percent of the bows i bought was left-handed yeah, yeah. See, it, I've seen a big influx in that too. Yeah, it, if you stock them, they're going to buy them because they go to other ones. You know, especially the high end ones. Do you want to go in as a right hander and have to shoot a bow left handed to see if you like it because they don't have any right handed bows? The same thing, you know, left hander. You know, being left handed, do you want to go to store and have to shoot a right handed bow and make your decision on that when it's not how you're going to shoot it? And, and that's why. I didn't stock a lot of the higher end in left-handed just because the, the cost was quite a bit more. You know, they're they're four, six hundred dollar bows at that time. This is you know 20 years ago. You know, now they're probably a thousand dollars or better for them. I I, I don't yeah. I, I I try not to look at the new bows. You know, like people would come in, it's like, ah, uh the new bow come out and it's this, you want to try it? And and they'd say uh, no or yeah. And, and and they'd say, well, can I shoot one? Is like, you gonna want to buy it? Because <laughs> you shoot it, you're gonna want to buy it. <laughs> you know, they're 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 that nice. You know, when you get some of these high end bows, they just so so nice to shoot. And yeah, the average cost right now of an upper end bow is you're looking twelve, fifteen, eighteen hundred bucks right now, no matter what manufacturer it is. Like bear yeah. with their new um, flagship, the um, execute. That's around eleven hundred dollars, twelve hundred dollars. The uh, PSE Fortis or the Unite, they're both up there around eleven, twelve hundred dollars. They're they're aluminum bows. You look at their Mach thirty four carbon, that's around nineteen hundred. Dart and plate preludes are around a thousand. I mean, you look at your upper end bows from these companies; they're all dealing, you know, thousand, eleven hundred, twelve hundred bucks right now or higher. You know, and that's just a plain bow, no, no sights, no rest, no nothing. Yeah, that's that's just plain Jane, nothing to it. Now you get into like PSC um, Bruder Drive, they're offered in 
clean bowl or package and they're pushing eight, 900 bucks a package. And they're the mid, yeah. mid level of the PSE. They're above the beginner, but not quite an upper end, a quality bowl, but with a package, you know, you're paying still close to a thousand dollars right now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, can, that's hard to, that's hard to justify for a new archer starting out. Right. That's why a lot of, like we carried a bear. We got the uh, cruiser G3s, the legits or the XRs and they're on a starter bowl full setup. They're pushing 500 bucks five between five and $600, which that's a little more comfortable as a beginner right. to step into. And there's, there's nothing wrong with that because they got such a growth rate as far as draw lengths and poundages go for them. I mean, a younger kid or somebody getting into it can have that bowl for quite a few years before they decide to step up. And if they got a younger brother or sister or whatever, they can hand it down to them, you know? Right. And, and the, you know, there's nothing wrong with going to a, a pawn shop and buying something that fits you, as long as you know what you're right. doing. You know, find like had, out what you're doing. We had a girl come in the other day. She had a bowl gifted to her. Draw length on, I forgot what it was now, but draw length on, it was 27 to 30 inches. Draw length. Took her over and measured up. She's got a 24-inch draw. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry to tell you, there's nothing I can do with this for you because right off the bat, this bow is three inches too long for you. I can't get it down to your draw length. And you can shoot the way it is, but you're going to be way behind your head, which you're at least to shoot. And you're not going to have proper form. And you're not going to like shooting it. You know, I don't... It was one of the situations that I didn't know what to tell her girl. She's a younger girl, probably maybe 20 years old, just getting into the sport, and, and the bow was given to her. And I, you know, she asked me for suggestions what we had, and I showed her the um the JIT, the, the G3. And she was gonna bring her father in before the end of the month to take a look at it and see what they thought about. But she's really considering buying a new bow because of that, because she wants to get into it. Right. Then she started showing me trail cam pictures of uh, her property up there where she's going to be hunting. First time getting in the archery hunting. She's got a couple black bear on there, a couple of nice bucks hanging up on her property. And the one bear is, she's gun hunted, but she's never archery hunted. The one bear is like 15 yards in front of her camera on a daily basis in front of her tree stand. Huh. I'm like, that's going to be a nice bear, you know, probably a 200, 250 pound bear. So she wants to get in archery and try to get a chance at him with the bow. I'm like, this when you get ready, come on in and we'll set you up and have you all ready to go. Right. <laughs> yeah. You, you got land like that. Yeah. Just get, get in the archery, get in the right bow. That's, that's the, the key, yes. like you said. Well, right now up here in New York state, their population is crazy right now. They're, they're just, they're in just about every single County of the state right now, black bears. I had a place down in Chautauqua County in the town of Stockton. And we had no less than probably seven or eight bears throughout the year, different bears on camera throughout the year that we've seen all the time from early spring mom with three cubs, another mom with two cubs, you know, big, big Bruins walking through there. It's just every, every county in the state right now has so many black bear up here in New York state right now. It's just, it's, it's crazy. The population took off the way it did. Yeah. And you've got to control them. 
Yeah. Like <laughs> right now, there's Lancaster, New York, which is a suburb of Buffalo. It's probably 15 miles to the east of Buffalo, New York, just past the Buffalo right. Airport. They had a report put out uh, earlier last week in one of the town parks of a black bear walking through. In people's yards, raiding their bird feeders, you know, all the fun stuff that the little troublemaker bears do. Oh, yeah. Three, four years ago, we had one right here in the town of Amherst, right by um, UB North, that they had out there for, oh, God, a month and a half, two months before it ended up getting hit by a car, unfortunately, and they had to put it down because it was injured, unfortunately. But, you know, it's that time of, that time of year that the uh, younger bears are pushed away from mom so she can start her breeding cycle all over again. Right. And, you know, unfortunately, when they pushed, you know, the young brood, you know, the little males away or the south away, they're going to go try to find their own uh, area. Right. And it moved in different sections of the state, you know. Yeah, they're just multiplying like crazy. Oh, yeah, and, they do. Yeah. Uh, James James got has another comment. He says, I got, I got my kids, their wives, and my grandkids into traditional archery. It's It's what I know. Spent a good time, a good bit of money gearing him up, but it's been worth it. Oh, most definitely. <laughs> most most definitely. I'm getting ready to get my daughter. She turns 21 next week. And I'm getting ready to get her to teach her how to shoot. And I'm going to teach her my other recurve and get her into it because she's always expressed an interest of wanting to go bow hunting. I've had her out with a crossbow and a gun already. And she's always shown an interest in getting into bow hunting. So I'm going to, I'm getting ready to, uh, have my boss up there at the shop, give her some lessons and teach her how to shoot and, you know, see how she likes it. I know she will because she loves the outdoors. Yeah. And if you like being outdoors and, and you do rifle and do crossbow already, then, you know, have a recurve or a longbow or compound, you know, kind of the next step of, of having a lot of fun. And... Oh, no doubt. I mean, when I had the property on stock and we're doing the food plots, she'd be out there help me throw seed down. When I'm doing mock scrape, she'd be out there, you know, help me scrape the ground for the mock scrape and walking around and looking at stuff with me, picking out saying, hey, Dad, look at that. You didn't see that track, did you? I'm like, no, I didn't actually, kid. <laughs> She's probably going <laughs> like this. I'm like, yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, sometimes we do it. It's we've always done it, yeah, we've done it so much that, you know, we're not looking at close. Somebody new that's excited is, you know, they're looking for everything and, and, Sometimes it's kind of nice to take a kid along and they have, they have better eyes than we do too. <laughs> different, exactly. A different set of eyes, fresher set of eyes will spot something that you're not going to see, you know? Like I, I lost an arrow up there shooting at a nice doe. And took my daughter for a walk back to check the tree stand and refreshing the scrape and check some cameras. And I walked through this area, oh God, a hundred times. And she goes, hey, Dad, is this the arrow you lost? I'm like, yeah. It was, you know, 25 yards from the tree stand. And like I said, I walked through her a hundred times, never found it. She walks by her once and finds it right away. I'm like, okay, kid, you got me on this one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I have no idea so how I missed it. it, you know? Yeah, sometimes you get, so you, you look at it and, and you just look right at it. And yeah, I know I've. Uh, I forget what it was. Um, 
wife was looking for something and she says where, where's where's the piece of this and she was like two inches away from touching it <laughs> because it was in a different instead of laying down it was standing up and, and right just didn't just didn't see it it's like where's it at you know last time you seen it was laying down now it's standing up and throws them all off right away on it you know yeah and i've done the same thing you know i'm looking for something and i i can't find it she comes like here it is like i know i, I looked I, at that three times yep i do it at the shop i'm looking for something walking around looking for uh the glue to fletch arrows and we're <laughs> just here where is it right there where right there who put that there it was on the desk it was just three inches from where i normally put it and i didn't see it i'm like wow get the ice yeah. check you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, that, you know hey don't let it get to you just go on it's like well okay we found it <laughs> now we can go use it have a laugh about it and continue on you know So tell us about uh, some of your hunts you've been on. Oh, um, I've been, I hunt mostly New York state. Um, I probably hunted every single county in the uh, Western New York area from, oh God, Niagara County down to the Pennsylvania border into Allegheny, Steuben counties, Cattaraugus, Wyoming, Genesee. Um, I hunt mostly whitetail and this is actually right now my favorite time of year to prep for the upcoming hunting season be it I have cell cameras in the woods year round I run them on video I don't do still photos because yeah okay a still photo give me a picture of the deer right I run them on video because now on that video, I run 30-second video. I get to see where they came from, where they left, and actually, if there was more than one deer that walked through, or bear right. or whatever, and, you know, I can pinpoint my trails I want to watch. When I'm in a stand, like, say, a food plot, I'll know what trail those deer are religiously using coming into that food plot. So now when I'm in my stand, I know approximately where they should come out at, where they're exiting at. I learn the bedding area that way or major travel routes that way. And I use the trail cameras, like I said, I do I do mock scrapes. I start my mock scrapes now in July to start basically pattering the bucks. But the does also use them right now also, you know, communication. And I use my trail cams to um, select my locations for my mock scrapes. And if I know the property I'm hunting as well as I should, I'll take over last year's scrapes, the natural scrapes, and I'll you know use my buck during this time of year, which I use. I prefer antler rice, which is another New York State-based company around in Cattaraugus, New York. The frozen deer urine, it's, it's awesome and stuff works, trust me. It works real well. And, you know, I'll freshen them up every couple of weeks, but I'll go to old scrapes from last year, clean them up, throw some, you know, the fresh buck urine down in it, 
And I've literally had within 15, 20 minutes from me setting that scrape up of deer on the scrape already. And I'll just monitor. I got a notebook. I got a page in that notebook for every single camera I run. So when I'm getting, when I pull cards or sell cams, I'll write down date, time, wind direction, temperature, which direction he came from, and log it all down. So now I got a history of when this deer or these deer are coming in there. So I know as far as getting ready for the hunting season of approximate time to expect the action to happen, you know? Right. And like I said, I, I do a lot of 3D shoots this time, you know, throughout the winter. I, I shoot uh, the Niagara Frontier Winter 3D. Legal drought during the bitter cold winter, you know, blizzards, snowstorms, wind, ice storms, shooting 3D animals. It just hones your skill for when the season's here. Right. Uh, throughout the summer, I shoot a lot of field archery, 3D events. We just, uh, a group of us from Docs just went down to uh, Seven Springs, Pennsylvania for the tax shoot. Uh, beginning of June, that was fun. That was real fun, shooting outwards 120 yards with a ball. And, you know, you hit a target 120 yards, there ain't no reason why you can't hit something at 20. Right. <laughs> That's what I found is if you try the longer shots, you, you develop the longer shots and the, the close ones are, um, you know, it's it's like you're, you're so tight, you know, on, on your groups. I used to start at, at the indoor range 20, 30, then 40. And then if I go back up to 20, I'm I'm smacking arrows, you know, where, where you're not quite that tight start with it. It just helps you focus a little tighter. And um, like with the field I'm shooting, I shoot at a club here in uh, Buffalo area, Double T Archery Club. And I'm in their uh, summer field league. Both the, they got a recurve one going and they got a uh, compound one going. And right now we're shooting outwards of, um, 70 yards, I think, is the longest target right now. And I actually smacked two of my knocks last week, one at 65, one at 58. And I'm like, really? Come on. Hit them at that <laughs> distance? It's getting expensive, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's kind of why I quit shooting single spots, just because I was wrecking too many arrows. <laughs> yeah. We had a guy that shot our... Uh, NFA 300 league last year shot specifically center shot, you know, single spot, single spot, single spot, because it was less movement. He was dialed in. That's what he wanted. Well, after his third or fourth Robin Hood of the league that year, it was a 12 week, it was a 12 week league. He decided to go to a five spot. <laughs> I've gone through 11 arrows this league by hitting them and busting them. I'm going to a five spot. It's getting expensive at, you know, close to $120, $130 a dozen for right. arrows. It does get quite expensive when you're busting arrows up like that, you know? Yeah, when arrows 10, 12 bucks and then. Yeah. Yeah. And you got some of these guys that are shooting some, you know, specific target arrows that's got tungsten tips in them where the tips are running 40, 50 bucks just for the point. And you know, you're you're pushing a hundred dollars per arrow now on some arrow, believe it or not. And oh, they're yeah. smacking, they get upset. <laughs> yeah, at hundred bucks an arrow. Yeah, it's 
Yeah, it's way more expensive than it was when I had my store. You know, there there it wasn't quite so bad. But I remember when I was first starting out, I'd get a set of aluminum arrows every year, and they yeah. were like, you know, this is you know many years ago, and probably 30, 30 plus years ago. Um, the double X seventy eights that I was shooting in twenty five twelves, they were running like sixty seventy dollars a dozen then. Yeah. And, and that was expensive arrows. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I could I could buy like the game getters for, you know, was it twenty bucks a dozen? Twenty five, thirty bucks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, I'm I'm buying the better ones because the straightness. You know, I, yeah. I found I grouped a lot better with the, uh, you know, one and a half thousandths straightness as opposed to the six or seven. And, um, you know, I've I've proved that several times. Uh, you know, the straighter arrow is going to tighten their groups up. Um, I had a buddy of mine, he was shooting and he was shooting, um, I think it was beams or something, but they're like a 3000 straightness. And I says, um, you know, my arrows would work for me. I says, here, shoot these. And, and amazing, his group was about half the size it was shooting the other arrows just by shooting mine. And, you know, they weren't really spined for his, his bow, but they were, you know, that's when we were shooting carbons. And I was shooting the PSE uh, carbons. Uh, that's still all I shoot because when I closed my store, I kept all my my uh, my Comp Pro 300s. <laughs> I kept Don't them all, and I had I had lots lots of dozens of them. So uh, I kept them, and I, I didn't get rid of those because I that's what I shoot, and I didn't want to have to you know sell them all off. Now I got to buy some more arrows, so I'll, I'll never wear out my arrows because I got too many of them. But oh yeah, you just you know cut them down and refletch them when you need them. Yeah, I, I've got a lot of them all fletched up, and and I would fletch them with a, a reflective white wrap below the fletching. Yep. Because then then the the flashlights would catch it, and I I found one of my arrows underneath an evergreen tree because the flashlight hit it and it just glowed. I don't know how it otherwise. Biggest thing now we're seeing is people wanting the uh, illuminated knocks. Right. The 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 luminox. Those are luminox those are really or... nice. There's, yeah. there's another brand out there. I forget which one it is. There's a couple different ones out there, but I know that the Lunox right. what I, I used. And I had one. I had it in my hunting arrow. I shot at this deer, and there was a little bitty branch between me and the deer I did not see. That arrow hit that branch through the, because the, the light was on, all of a sudden the light goes off, and my knock went flying. Never found it. Because I found the arrow with no knock in it. I had the same thing happen uh, two, three years ago, hunting a food plot. Nice big doe come out. I ranged her at 31 yards. Drew back on her. I knew I was on at 30. Put the 30-yard pin right on her. Touched off. I'm like, what was that noise? Arrow, I watched with the knocker right over her back. I'm like, that's odd. She yeah. jumped, went up about four more yards and stopped. I'm like, okay, I'll try it again. Knocked another arrow, come back and did the same thing. What What was that? I sat there looking because she had the second shot. She ran off. I sat there looking. Now, my tree stand was in a pine tree. And a little branch that came out from me, a little twig that I could not see with my naked eye looking through my peep at my sight. <laughs> Both arrows caught that branch and deflected over her back. I'm like, 
Really? <laughs> Next day, that branch was removed from the tree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I went out the pole saw the next day, the next morning, got up in that tree and cut that branch out of the way. No Marissa was hitting that branch. No. Yeah. I, I had one time I was sitting sitting down in the tree stand, this deer comes out and I shoot and it it just it just completely messed. Well, my my lower limit hit my tree stand. Oh. <laughs> and and Ooh. it just shot it. Yeah, I've missed it was like probably 15 yards away. I missed it by five feet below it because that bottom limb caught just enough Ooh. of the stand that it just tipped it right down. It's like, oh man. <laughs> You know, you oh. don't think about that. You know, you know when you have not at all. They're longer and they're they're actually easier to shoot. But then you have all those those problems that you know the new short bows. You know they they don't have that much of a problem like that, but they're hard to shoot because you know that string is so far away from your eye. It's it's like you know inches away instead of being right up at your eye for the beep and and yeah, I I don't like the short bows. <laughs> I didn't notice that. Last year and this year, the shortest bows we're seeing out there right now are in the 30 to 31 inch axle to axle. Shortest where a couple of years ago, a couple of companies had them, you know, 28, 29. Like Bear had the Bear Divergent, which was 28 inch axle to axle. Um, PSG had them, I forgot what it was now, it was also 28. Now they seem like the companies are getting away from them ultra short bows and they're starting to go back up into the 30, 31, 32 inches are like probably the most popular axle to axle right now on any of the bows from any of the companies that we're seeing. And I think, like I said, the th shortest one I'm seeing right now is a 30, which is starting to get back into the longer bows again. So I'm one of the uh, yeah. manufacturers figure the same thing everybody else is that being so short is really throwing a lot off you know yeah i i can see a short one if you shoot out of like a blind where there, you don't have a lot of height and you don't have the room you, you know like a longbow out of a, a blind is is going to be tough to shoot because it just needs right. so much height. and i figure if i'm going to shoot something that short i'm going to shoot one that shoots horizontally called a crossbow yep. exactly <laughs> exactly if I want it that short, I'm just going to give me a crossbow and, you know, be done with it. And, uh, you know, I I had to go to release, you know, the first bow I had was long enough, it was like, you know, 38 inches or something like that. And I was shooting for fingers and then, um, you know, my ring finger would go numb. And then I had to go to release because it kept going numb on me when I'd shoot. And so I went to release and then now they're getting, you know, they got shorter and shorter, but, you know, now they're not too bad, but, you know, I can still draw back and have, have the string come up where it touches my nose and I can see to the peep and those real short ones, you can't even touch your nose on it because they're so sharp. Yeah. Like so, mine right now, the uh, two that I use mostly right now is my um, Atkins Vista 35, which is my target bow. I used the front last year, 35 inch axle to axle. When I draw that back, my hand right at that spot in my ear, right across my nose at the string. It's perfect. The one I use this year is Athens new model, which is the Elevate, which is 32 inch axle to axle. And that's just the same thing. Come right back, that string is right there. Everything is just locked in place nice. And that bow is a tack driver. 
I'm ruining a lot of arrows with that bow. <laughs> <laughs> well, and until you know, your draw length makes a difference too. You know, if you've got a 26 or 28 inch draw length, it's not too bad to have, you know, the shorter bows, the 28, 30. But if you're shooting like 29 or 29 and a half, like, like I, I shoot 29, by the time I draw back those couple extra inches, that makes it even, you know, more weird to, to shoot for me anyway. Some people like it. I, more I, radical I don't. String angle. Right. The more radical string, string angle at the longer draw length with those shorter bows. Yeah. And, you know, now it's like, how do you get your anchor? You got your anchor point, one anchor point where your knuckle fits on your face or where your hand fits on your face. And if you have any variation at all, there's no reference to where it's at. You know, or, no. or I have I have a kisser button. So now I have my anchor point. I have the kisser button, touch the tip of my nose and the peep. So if I line that up, I can shoot my wrist strap or I can shoot my handheld. Either one, my, my anchor point is slightly different because my hand turns. You know, instead of being the first knuckle, it's the, you know, the third knuckle it is right about there. But I don't worry about that because my hand can do anything at once as long as those three points are lined up. It doesn't matter where my hand's at. Right. Exactly. Like I used to use a uh, Bomar nose button. I got rid of it. Not because I didn't like it. Just those little sharp points on that thing after a while would cut the inside of my nose up from oh. where I put it right up in here. It would, I got, it started hurting after a while. I'm like, oh, no, yeah. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So sometimes yeah. I'll cheat and I'll tie a piece of serving at that spot of my nose just to give me a reference point where it touches my nose. So it's the same spot, the right. same time as long as I touch that little piece of serving. Like my my first bow I ever owned, my parents bought me the first year I got into re hunting, bow archery hunting, which was, oh God, I was 18 years old. They bought me a, bear recurve and that's when i took my archer my hunter education my archery course with i hunted two years with that before i bought my first compound which was an old jennings black lightning back in the day and after i got into compound i put the recurve down and didn't touch another recurve until Two and a half years ago, when I started going up to docks, working with, at docks, and screwing around one day, he's got the techno up there. A bunch of guys are up there on a Friday night, shooting recurving the techno. He kind of goes, grab a recurving shot. I ain't shot a recurve in 25 years. He goes, grab one and see what happens. I went out on a bail. I'm like, wow, I didn't forget you. Know, I'm hitting center to target, decent. Turn around, and I went in a techno. I had a blast. Two days later, I was buying a um, little, you know, a little small target recurve off from like 25 pounds. Been using that for a couple of years. And I just bought actually, um, just received it, what's today, Thursday, Wednesday. I ordered in back in March a bare Kodak Hunter recurve. Beautiful ball. It just come in this past Thursday, or I think it was. Got to shoot it for the first time on Saturday. Oh my God, how much I miss recurve. <laughs> I think that's all I'm going to basically hunt with this uh, hunting season, or at least for the first couple of weeks. And it's seen it. New York State opens on October 1st. So I think for the first one or two weeks, that's all I'm going to basically hunt what's going to be the recurve. Yeah, that'd, that'd be, be a lot of fun. Um, 
I've actually talked to uh, on the podcast a lot of traditional archers, and and they they have they have a lot of fun, and 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 some of them are really good shots too. Oh, we we've got uh, it's funny to say that it seems like the uh, traditional archery is really making a comeback, and we've got some guys up. We did matter of fact, the one league I just won up at the. Partners, I just went up at the uh, docks with a with a recurve league, and we were shooting out to twenty yards at the recurves. It was a Vegas four fifty recurve league. We do one end at ten yards, one end at fifteen, and one at twenty. And we had twenty four archers in it, and. It was so much fun. Guys had their wives shooting, their kids shooting. Um, their, their whole families were up there shooting the league. And it was a blast. And now we got the one club bunch has got a uh, field league going with the recurve that I'm shooting out to 20 yards. And it's so much fun hitting a target with a traditional bow with no sights instinctively yeah. out to 20 yards. There's nothing like it, you know. Getting back to the basics. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's simple. There's there's not a lot to go wrong, and it's just all you. You know, you, 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 the only way you can blame your equipment is if your string breaks, <laughs> or your lip, or your bow exactly. breaks. You know, other than that, exactly. It's all you, dude. You're right. <laughs> there, there's nothing. There's basically nothing mechanical on a recurve. Yeah, they. It, it's it's so much simpler and. You know, once you learn how to shoot with those, you're always going to have a skill that you can use, you know, no matter what goes on. You know, if you're you're stranded somewhere, you grab a stick and make a string for it and grab another stick and put a point on it. and You got your food ready. <laughs> exactly. You got chance of exactly. Food. Yep. So, yeah, that's been. It, it's been a lot of fun talking with all the different archers and it's amazing how many are shooting traditional and, and what they're doing with that realm and you know then then you have the compound shooters and it's amazing what they're doing and you know in in that realm and there, there's just so many options for archery that it's just you know there's something for everybody in archery yes there is like next um early may Group of us from, from Docs are going to go down to Tennessee for the Tennessee TAC event. And we're going to make it a week-long team. We're going to hit up a lodge down there in Tennessee and do a hunt war down there. And, we, you know, it's only archery. And I'm going to go after a hog, and I'm going to probably take the recurve and see what I can do taking a hog with a recurve. I have my compound win, but I'm going to try to concentrate just on the recurve for one, you know. It, it, I think it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, you can, you can always, if they're – or just coming in just out of your range, they'll just switch to the compound. <laughs> yep. But I want to kind of concentrate mostly on the recurve and see what happens, you know? Yeah. That, that'd that be fun. You'll have to let us know how that, that turns out when you go down there. Tell us about that trip when, once you, once you get back from it. I'll probably have my uh, GoPro with me on that trip and I'll probably record the uh, hunt and probably end up putting it up and sharing it, you know? Oh, that'd be that that'd be good to see that. That'd be that'd be a lot of fun. I'm I'm hoping anyways. 
interesting to see what happens between now and then. So what's what's been your most uh, memorable hunt you've been on? Let's see, my most my most memorable hunt that I've been on was the hunt that my father got his first archery deer. My, my father's been dead now five years. He died from cancer. But the hunt that I remember the most is the one he got his first archery deer. It, it was it was funny because I know as soon as I got into my tree stand, we were running late that morning. Low battery. And we took the ATV in. Low battery. We, we took the ATV in. He dropped me off at the trail I walk up and I had probably oh god 15 minute walk to my tree stand got up in the stand got all settled in I heard the ATV go out to where he was at because he was only maybe two three hundred yards away from me and I probably wasn't in stand 15 20 minutes at the most and he calls me on the radio hey I got one I'm like, okay, I'll be there in a few minutes. He goes, I got up after I hit and looked, I got blood. But I lost the blood trail after about 10 yards. I'm like, I'll be over there for a couple minutes, Dad. I'll, you know, give me a few minutes. It's going to take me probably, take me about a half an hour to get over to you. I waited and stand probably another 10, 15 minutes after I talked to him on the radio. Got down, kind of walked my trail back up to the main trail to him. Got over, he was sitting in the ground blind because at that time he was going through his cancer treatments and he couldn't get into a tree stand, so he was sitting in the ground blind. I got over to him and he pointed where the deer was at. I walked over, loaded with blood. I just, I said, yeah, just stay there and if I find something, I'll call you. I walked about 40 yards up the trail and the blood stopped. Like, okay, had great blood up to this point, but where'd the blood go? I looked to my right because there was a small crick to the right. Didn't see nothing. I looked to my left and there's a thicket with a ditch. And as soon as I looked to my left, I seen a deer laying just into the thicket in the ditch. I called dad. I said, dad, I found it. I'm right here. He came over to me and he thought it was a doe. I hear him. I said, well, this can't be your deer. He goes, well, I said, because it's a four point. He goes, well, I'm like, it's a four point. He goes, you're kidding me. I'm like, no, I'm not, dad. I pulled it up and his arrow was still stuck in it just behind the front shoulder. It, you know, behind the front shoulder, lodging the opposite shoulder. And that was probably one of my most memorable hunts that I've ever had was watching him get his first archery deer. And he was at that time, 66, 67 years old at that time. And that, that's a hunt that will stick with me for a long time. Oh yeah, that that sounds like you know a great story, a great memory, you know, of being with him in the in the forest and and just second to that is the year I got my first year with the recurve or with the compound bow was with an old Browning Summit, Easton uh, Game Gear, the Autumn Orange, and the Bear Super Razorhead Broadheads, and that's when the season started October fifteenth which was my dad's birthday. And that year he had a tragic accident in the house. He cut his hand pretty bad doing home improvements. So he couldn't hunt that year. And it was another real short day opening day. I got in a tree stand about five minutes after sun up. I'm just sitting there enjoying the sun coming up in my face. I'm facing east and the sun just rising in my face real nice. 
And I'm enjoying it. I look down, I got a doe standing 10 yards under my tree stand, just standing there, not even knowing I'm there. And that was my first deer I took with the uh, with the ball. I hit her, drove right through her. I watched her take off, run about 75, 80 yards into a thicket. And I'm thinking to myself, please don't die in there because that's going to rip me apart getting you out of there. <laughs> and she turned around and ran back and actually died 25 yards in front of the tree stand on the trail that I walked in on. I'm like, thank you. Now I got to get out of here without disturbing you. Yeah. I got walked off the alternate trail I had, went up to the truck or up to the camper. We had a place in Birdville, New York that we were at that time. Walked up to the camper. My dad looked at me and said, what are you doing out of the tree stand already? I'm like, I got a deer. There's no way. Like, hey, he said, well, let's go get it. I said, okay, let's go. Him and Ma followed me back. I walked up the trail and walked up, and there she was laying right there where I watched her fall. Nice little doe. And that, you know, that'd be second to my dad getting his first deer with the bow with me getting my first deer with the bow. But, you know, a lot of, a lot of memories I have from uh, hunting that are just, I can go on and on and on and on and talk for hours about it. Because every, every harvest to me or every time in the woods is a memory that will last forever from being just in the woods. To me, hunting is not about the kill. It's the time out outdoors reflecting on everything that's around you if i see deer great but you know i'm enjoying seeing other wildlife out there squirrels chipmunks rabbits birds turkeys whatever meeting new friends while i'm in different areas you know being hunting state land like i did a lot of my life i met a lot of people hunting state land that i'm still friends with today that stopped at the shop and say hi what's up you know communicate a lot with a lot of these people still to seeing some of the biggest deer I've seen in my life that I've never been able to get a shot at. It's just every time I'm in a wood, it makes a different memory. Yeah, it does. And that's what it's about. You know, a lot of, a lot of people get hung up on hunting as being, oh, I didn't kill them today, so it sucked. Hunting is not about the kill. Like I said, it's, it's, it's about the time outdoors and reflecting about everything that's out there for us that is there for us right now you know it's being one with the nature fresh air if you had a stressful day stressful week at work now you're in the woods just sitting there relaxing letting it all out becoming stress-free and that's how i look at it anyways yeah it's it it, it is kind of relaxing when out there and, and you're not thinking about anything you're just listening and and it it's what we see out there as a bow hunter you know all camoed up or whether you're camoed or not but all sitting there quiet not moving it's amazing what happens out there in the forest that unless you're a bow hunter you don't see right exactly exactly you know it's at that time of year with the bow hunting the archery seasons the animals aren't spooked like they are during gun seasons. You see a lot of different things, you know, young animals, young birds, um, just different things that you don't get a chance to see any time of the year, any other time of the year. Yeah, I, I know it's been a while since I, I talked about this this one night. Uh, I was sitting in my tree stand and, and you know, the the, the rabbits and squirrels and the birds, they're making noises running around. And all of a sudden it got 
completely quiet. The birds stopped singing, the squirrels quit running around, the rabbits quit running around. Nothing was moving in the forest. It just got completely silent. It's like, ooh, this is kind of, you know, I thought it was kind of neat, but it could have been also a little eerie that everything went to, went away. <laughs> but it was uh it was it was an interesting night. You know, I didn't get anything at night, but yeah, I still remember the forest getting completely quiet, no sounds at all. Oh yeah. It makes you wonder what's coming through. <laughs> yeah. What else is in these woods besides me? <laughs> yeah, sometimes someone's like, okay, um, let's not move. Let's make sure we stay quiet in case something's come through that I don't want to see. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, I've had, oh God, what is it? Two years ago, hunt up in Stockton, evening hunt in the woods in a tree stand. I'm sitting there and I catch movement in the trees. I look up, it's an owl. And it landed in a tree about 20 yards away from where I'm sitting in a tree stand. I'm watching, yeah, this is pretty cool. You don't get to see owls really much in a wild, you know. Yeah. And I'm watching, all of a sudden, I catch movement off, you know, almost in front of me. It's another owl that comes in and lands in a tree, again, about 20 yards away. I got two owls here. I'm like, either A, they're just landing these trees, just landing these trees, or B, they think I'm a squirrel sitting in this tree. And I'm not liking this idea. I stood up, and as I stood up, they left the trees. I'm like, if I just sat here, what would have happened? <laughs> it's something that's in my mind to, to think about it. Would they have swooped at me or what, you know? Yeah. But our, I realized, like you said, there were squirrels running around. And when those owls come in, it just got eerily quiet. Nothing was moving. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you don't know, you know, what's what's going on, and some animals just can't figure out what you are when you're in full camel. Uh, squirrels, yeah. they they can't figure out what you are. Oh, they're 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 funny. They come up a tree next and they look at you and stare at you. Yeah, and stare at you, and you just you know you're looking at them not moving. The minute you move, man, they turn around and they're jumping from tree to tree just trying to figure out what what was that in a tree that moved that was bigger than me <laughs> I, I had i had one squirrel um it, it was it was in, on a branch you know below me you know just off the ground and i was like huh squirrel season open so i reach in my pocket pull out my wallet open up pull out my my things oh squirrel season's open because i have my hunting tag so i put it back in there squirrel's still watching it watching me the whole time it's looking at me not moving just <laughs> looking at me so then i take my ball i draw back and it's still looking at me and i shoot it was still looking at me until the arrow went through it <laughs> <laughs> i had dinner that night it wasn't there was no, a deer but it was squirrel <laughs> yeah they're, they're they're funny sometimes those squirrels they're, they're just they can't figure out what you are all the movements you do and everything else they just actually i think they think you're another squirrel in a tree they don't feel threatened yeah, yeah. But when you're walking through a squirrel hunting, you, you know, in camo, um, you know, they they hide. You got a shotgun. Sometimes you got to shoot just to get them to move so they can. <laughs> yeah. You got to make moves, hit a tree or something, just to get them to move to figure out where yeah. they're at. Yeah. You know, they 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 recognize you as as a threat, whether you're just walking through or not. You'll, you'll see them scurrying around and running up and, you know. When you're full camo sitting in that tree, they don't know what you are. No, they can't figure it out. It's. It's weird that that animal can't figure out, but then other animals, 
you know, like a deer, you get movement, they're they're gone. You know, they don't hang around. And sometimes you only have to move for some reason. I think they can see you blink your eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes or, you know, was wearing glasses. If we move right, the light might reflect off our glasses. You know, yeah. And then they, they see that. But, um, you know, I, that, that's why, you know, I, my arrows are, are black because they're carbon. And I never really cared too much whether my arrows were, were cameled or not. Now, my aluminum arrows were camel just because the WX-78s come in, in camo. Right. Um, didn't really matter. But I always figured at the point the deer can figure out you don't have camoed arrows, you're already in trouble anyway. So Exactly. If they can figure that out, I don't even want to be in the woods no more. No. I, uh, I, on, on mine, I have a receiver that I can screw into the tree. And then I have it um, that my quiver fastens onto. And then I get the extra receiver because I, I have the PSE quivers. And I screw that in the tree and I take my quiver off my bow and I hang it up where I can get to it really easy, uh, you know, with my, my right hand. So I have one arrow on me and I don't have any quiver on, on the bow because that's not how I sighted it in. And now that I don't have to deal with the extra weight, the arrows get in the way. Uh, if I need another shot, I can just reach back, grab the arrow and, and, and load it. Uh, so. I, I always went with it off of there. So if they're not going to see the fact that I don't have camoed arrows because they're sitting on side of the tree, then I might see the reflective uh, wrap I have on it. Um, you know, those watching, you can see the reflective wrap when you hit a, a flashlight on it, it really glows. So, yeah. Now, are people watching or be able to see this? But you can see you know, how much that glows just. Well, this light's too bright. Let's see if we get a little dimmer light. It kind of glows. Yeah, too, you can't really tell. <laughs> I thought maybe we might be able to see it, the difference in her, but I use I use those on my arrows and they shine up really nice at night. I suppose if I turn the lights off in here, it would, would help, but I got the overhead light on. <laughs> yeah, we've been, I know a lot of people going to wraps like that with the uh, fluorescent wraps or the uh, Wraps like that will reflect light for the same reason, you know, they don't want to use a, the Luminoc or um, anything like because the weight of Luminoc is like 15 to 20 grains heavier than a standard knock. Yeah. So, you know, they're, they're trying to stay away from the weight. So they're starting to go to um, reflect the wraps on their arrows or real bright, bright, bright wraps on their arrows that do not blend into anything else that's in nature like that. Right. And like you said, it's easier to find if you miss an animal or you happen to go through the animal, you can see that bright color better than what you can anything else. Right. Well, and and I I cut them uh, in half. You know, they're normally they're they're twice as long as this, and normally you'd put them back here at the knock and and then fletch over the top of it. Well, I don't like wasting those, so uh, if I'm going to refletch, because you know every month store I've got plenty of fletching jigs. Uh, but if I'm going to refletch, I don't want to have to cut the fletching off and cut through the wrap. So I put it down below it. And then you can still read, you know, on, on this one, it's it's not even further, but on most of them, you can still read what the shaft is. So you know, uh, you know, what spine it is and everything else. Uh, this one is not a wood arrow. It's a carbon arrow. It's actually a gold tips, uh, traditional arrow. It's, it's, um, 
looks like wood, but it's not. Great, great. Uh, we saw a lot of those for the uh, traditional guys with the recurves. Love the, love the look on them. Right. It looks like wood, but you've got the advantage of being carbon and still yep. looks like wood. Uh, as long as your bow is can set up to shoot them, why not, right? They're not as heavy, but if you a put lot, them a lot of people love help, those arrows. That's what my son shoot. That's what my son shoots out of his compound. Really? Yeah. Well, they're carbon, so they'll, you know, they'll take right. the compound. And, yeah, and that's, it's true. Kind of weird. that's true. Looks like a shooting wood, and, and and but he's not. It's, he's shooting the carbon arrow, and yeah, that's one thing you don't don't want to do is take a, a compound bow and shoot a wood arrow out of it. Oh no, they're not designed for that. No, they're they're going to snap and. I actually had a discussion one time with, with guys some places. Yeah, you can shoot wood out of co compound bows. And I says, probably one time you're gonna have wood in your arm. And he says, oh no, you can do it. You can get a spine right. I said, well, okay. Maybe if you have one of the old wheel bows that don't have a, a lot of let off, where it's right. more like a compound or even possibly like an o Oneida, which is basically a recurve. Um, you could probably out of those if you get a heavy enough spine. But you know these some of these new fast bows, that point would not even move. That arrow no. just shat, it just snapped. And with the connect energy the newer bows are putting out, that wooden shaft wouldn't have a chance. Yeah, wood wood, and yeah, you know, it's. I just don't like the faster bows because they're harder to shoot for most people. Uh, that's the di biggest disadvantage I see of, of the fast bows. They want a fast bow, faster, 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 faster. You know, they're shooting up in, you know, 340s and 360s. And um, you know, they're hard to control. Unless you have perfect form, you're not going to control them. Um, and, and everybody thinks, you know, all these new bows are fast. My 2001 PSE career was rated 320 feet per second. That was a 2001. Wow. Like my, my, uh, Atkins Elevate with Daryl's I used for tack to have him set up, especially if comes to a hundred yards. I wanted something that's going to get to a very little arc. Was shooting arrows. I'm shooting at 323. <clears throat> and my Vista 35 with the same arrows was shooting at 307. Now the Elevate's at 65 pounds. Vista 35 was at 60 pounds, but I had those set up for long distance shooting, you know, for tack and field. I shot my hunting arrow through the Vista or the uh, Elevate, which is going to be my hunting bow. I shot my hunting arrow through that and I was getting shot three arrows and I was averaging, I think it was 297 with my hunting arrow out of it. And that was at 350. 41 grain arrow and the arrows I'm making up now for my hunting arrows are going to be around 360 grains. So it's going to probably knock it down to about 280 feet per second, which is fairly decent for a hunting arrow. Yeah. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and when I, when I was, uh, had my store, PSC come out with what they called the hunter shaft which is a 7,000 straightness. So I ordered some in because I'm gonna, I'm gonna order some in and try it and see what they're like. And 
Uh, being a 7,000 straightness, I normally shoot the one because I shoot the comp pros when I shoot. And with the comp pros, I can easily, you know, get in the X ring. That's that's not a problem. I can I group fairly close around there. Uh, but with the uh, um, hunter shafts, yeah, hopefully my wife gets that here pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, it's probably the phones they ring in in an inappropriate time. But um, yeah, anyway, it's it, it's just, I forgot what I was talking about. <laughs> uh, the PSE hunter shafts you were talking oh, about. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, the hunter shafts, uh, they're at a 7,000. Now, I could hold those with my broad heads in in the 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 white on the the five spot you know i can hold them in into there i can hold them into there um but i couldn't hold them in in the x you know with with the the one thousands i could that's how much difference they made and you know so i tried them i set some up you know the hot with but what they come in as the psd 400 spine not the 300 spine they're mismarked so they're heavier oh yeah so so when i went to to switch back to the other ones uh because my regular arrow was about 370 grains shooting 70 pounds that was kind of the minimum arrow i could shoot but that's where they came in with my 100 grain tip so i had some weight tubes so i had to figure okay how much how much do i have to add in here in weight tubes so i'm cutting down the different grains weight tubes to get the weight up the same as the other ones you know so now my hunting arrows have weight tubes in them to increase the weight Otherwise, I wouldn't normally have done that. But, you know, when you go to a lighter shaft, I didn't want to reset all my pins. <laughs> right. So you want to try to match the weights up to where they're at. So your pins are about the same as what they were before. Right. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I didn't want to go through and, and recite in my pins because then I have to recite in all of them and, and then tying in with broadheads because the field tips do not hit like field like broadheads. No, um, they do not. I do not try to make them hit the same. I try to get all my broadheads to hit the same. And uh, I have uh, mine because I shoot a muzzy three blade and I have uh, three blade uh, fletching or three fletching. I use four inch feathers. Um, I've been using feathers since the 60s and I just don't want to switch. <laughs> you know, I just like feathers. So um, so I get those lined up and I put a little cone shaped washer on it called the U-bar and an O-ring. And so I can adjust them and tune them. I, you can direct it, the arrows where they, they line up and then I'll put a little mark on it. So I know that they're always lined up because they can turn easily if you pull them out of the shaft, and, you know, pull them out of the quiver and turn them or something. Right. But, um, you know, so I was able to tune them in. So now I can, I can basically, uh, you know, drill X's with my broadheads. The only thing I've seen it fly anywhere close to your field tips a mechanical head. And right. I, you know, I like the Grim Reapers that I'm going to be shooting this year. I've shot the Rages, which I've had success with those. They don't fly exactly the same, but they're very close. Right. You know, I may hit an X with my field tip, and I could probably be an inch or so left or right or high with the mechanical and you just got, you know, you got to adjust over, but then again, when you go back to your field tips, you know, doing target or whatever, then you got to go back and adjust this and that. And the other thing, it, it does get to be a little bit of a hassle back and forth with your sight adjusting left and right up and down at well, times. Well, what I, what I told you, if you can't afford two different bows, buy a second sight. 
you know, for, for going for your target and your 3D and stuff, you know, you're going to have a site that you want there. Have a, a simple site that you want to use for your hunting one. And I'll choose unbolt it, bolt it back on. And, and now right. then now then you can switch between hunting and target and don't have to worry about reciting your pins in because that's that's a, a lot of work. Yeah, the only thing you do on that when you redo it, I, I did that this year shooting a techno up there. I had a uh, shrewd scope on the on the uh, one bolt I was using for tack with a lens in it and shooting techno, it's hard to see anything with a lens. And I had a single pin CB hybrid tactic site that I had on the bolt. So every time I shot techno, I took the, the shrewd scope and the bar off the Vista 35, put the other site on it, went out on the range real quick, made sure my zero, you know, just double check things before right. I shot. Got a good one out, you know, shot my tactile, put the bar back on it, went over to the 20 yard range, made sure my 20 yard was back on and I was good again back. And I did that almost for two months, switching back and forth every time I shot between the two, the, you know, the two different things I was doing with the same bow. It worked out okay. And just, you know, you got to do a little uh, reassurance on it when you put it back on it to make sure everything's lined up properly. Right. And then I had one time, yeah, I had one time, you know, some of them have the bar that can move in and out. So you have it close to the bow or further away. And and that's why I do it. And he'd had it one time and he'd take it off and put it in a different spot. And I says, "You, you you can't change the distance that is. It has to be the same. Is, oh, it don't make any difference. Like, oh, yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. Um, so I said, move it all the way in. You know, let's go back to 40 yards and and shoot shoot your shoot your your target from there. Now move the the site all the way out. Now shoot. Like, oh, it does make a difference. Yeah, it's got to be the same distance because that's part of when I had a I had a program one time that would calculate your drop and everything on, on different ranges and how to, what distance to shoot. And so it would measure uh, from, from your, your uh, knock to the site or to the, the bow as your draw length was, it measure from your eye to the pin and it also measure the distance from your anchor point to your eye. So it knew how far up it was, how far the pin was away and, and it knew all these dimensions. So it would know how fast the bow was, because you'd have to get a speed on it. You'd have to put on a chrono and get a speed. And then um, the weight of the arrow. So you'd weigh the arrow. So know the speed of the arrow, the weight of the arrow. It knew where you anchored, knew where the sight was, and it'd figure out everything for you. you figure know, out your yard. The slate tape and yeah. whole nine yard for the bar. Right. And I was able to do that. I, I did it, and I set my pin, my 20-yard pin, um, on the 20 yard mark. And then I moved my 30, 40, 50 and 60 yard pin, lined it up exactly where it's at. And I went out and shot those distances and I was right on. And so we, that's what we did up at the shop too, is uh, we go, like I said, double T archery, you know, you got to target outside to 80 yards. We'd go out there and, you know, we'd get our marks, get back to the shop, get in the program, <clears throat> make our sight tapes, line up to the marks, go back out, little fine tune if we're off a little bit we go back and look at the other tape on the list and oh, go back and forth and do a few other things on it real quick and uh yeah line everything back up and get them lined up pretty good and you know my one bow is good out to 140 140 oh. yards i can get one of my pin is on so I yeah I had trouble seeing that far. So those long shots <laughs> it's it's all blurry out there so I can't see them up there. 
Oh yeah, yeah. It, it, it's fun. Yeah, it, it'd be fun to be able to take some of those longer shots, but you know, I I got to go to a place where I can take those long shots and first I get get you know where I can see see the target. So that's the main thing is seeing the target. But. I like I like laughing with the long shots like that. It's like, oh, I shot and I can take a nap. Oh, I hit the target. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you shoot. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, okay, let's just start walking down there because I, I hit somewhere. <laughs> I couldn't yeah. see it no more. Like the one target we had this year was a 126-yard full-size moose uphill. And it was a crosswind. And I aimed where I thought I had a way, aim for the way the wind was blowing. And as luck would have it, as I shot the wind stopped blowing and I hit the moose in the antler. Oh. <laughs> That's where I had the pin aim for the way the wind was blowing for the you know for you to drop and wind drift right. and stopped it's right where my pin was at was right in the antler. Yeah the wind stopped and after it hit. Exactly. I started laughing about it. Hey at least it hit the animal at that distance. <laughs> yeah that's that's a challenge. You almost need like a spotting scope to sit there and it's like okay where did I hit? Yeah, we all have binoculars out there, and we're looking. I'm like, I'm in the antler. We all start laughing, having a good time about it, you know. Yeah. Well, you know the long shots you have, you know that kind of stuff to deal with. Your really short shots, like a five foot shot. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing how many people can't hit a a, a target at five feet, and I know when I had my sight tape on there, I, I I had the tape and I looked at it, it's like five foot. Hmm. 70 yards shoot it for 70 yards and, yep. and and sure enough it, it was on a platform too so you had an angle you had to bend down bend 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 down and then when you shoot you had to have help back up because it's over so far but i i put right there where i knew it was supposed to be and shot and hit it dead center where we're supposed to go you know just like in the field archery league we got the, the foot target and right now it's 11 yards, the foot shots, 11 yards. Look at our slide tape, but for me to shoot the 11 yard target, I got to set my pin at 23 yards. That's on a hunter target. When we're shooting a field target, it starts at 25 feet and moves up and the closer you are is like six feet. And at six feet, my sight tape, my guide, is 92 yards for six feet or yeah. something like that. And people said, 92 yards, you sure? It's like, no, because your arrow, the way it flies with the arc, is still coming up at that distance. That's why you can shoot it how you can shoot it with the longer distance to hit where you're hitting because of the arc of the arrow. Well, and then two, your pins are up here at your eye level. Right. The arrow is down at your mouth or lower if you're shooting you know, like Olympic style where you're anchored below your chin, that distance right. between your, your eyes and where the arrow is, you know, that makes a big difference. I know when I was doing a, a, a couple of uh, uh, training videos, I'm down in my basement and the ledge I have, it's, it's a little bit high. It's a, you know, like about head high. So I was like, okay, I'm drawing back. Like, okay, I'm looking to see where the arrow, because I can't depend on where the pins are because I'm at 10 feet. <laughs> So I got to make sure I'm aiming high because I don't want to stick it in the concrete block wall. That gets expensive <laughs> and dangerous when you stand in, you know, 10 feet away. 
<laughs> yeah, an arrow can come back and smack you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it would come back and smack one of us because I was down there, my wife is videoing. So, <laughs> yeah. Somebody like, didn't okay, hit that wall. Yeah, that, so I, I didn't hit it because I, I knew what to look for. You know, I was like, okay, uh, this is, okay, I'm, I'm high enough. Because <laughs> then I'd actually kind of glance at the arrow and see, you know, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm high enough. And, you know, once I learned exactly where it's going to go. and It's a learning curve, definitely. Right, right. Yeah, definitely something that you need to practice. Oh, no doubt. Here. No doubt. Be proficient with the weapon, you got to practice with it. Yeah. That's where it's all comes down. Nothing like it. I probably yeah, I shoot on a good week, seven, eight hundred arrows in a good week when I have time. <laughs> yeah. You know how it is from yeah. an archery shop. Sometimes you got time, other time, like now it's starting to get the busy season. There really is no time. Oh yeah, you know when I have my shop, that the busy time you ain't got time to even hardly go hunt. I, right. I remember the first year I had my store, I was spending all this time in the store, and then then I go sit in a tree stand, and all I can think about is what I need, what I need to get done, what I get done. I think I ended up hunting, um, oh, it was probably five, ten times where I could finally start relaxing and, and enjoying being out. <laughs> exactly. I think I got out once last year which is kind of low for me, but I had a lot of other things going on, but I got out once and kind of seen quite a few deer, but no shots, you know? Yeah. Well, you just never know what, you know, what's going to go on in, in your area. I've got an area that uh, we need to get rid of some of the coyotes because there's a coyote den right where they come through and it's a property that doesn't hold deer uh, and they come through at night, you know, or just right at the first thing at light. And I had the trail cameras up there, and I, I did catch some at, in February, before before we you know I, you know before we pulled them, and, and there is they were there in the morning and at night you know on a, on a one day that there was a whole bunch of them there and and you know they're coming through there so I just need to figure out how to get a tree stand because we try to find a place for a tree stand and there's just no good place for it you know that's going to give you a decent shot so yeah we got to figure that out get rid of some of the coyotes so we. They yeah, coyotes are. Here. Yeah, they're crazy. They're all over. We got them right in the city of Buffalo now, running around coyotes. I seen a couple the other night right across the street from my house. And I live on a main drag in the center of the city of Buffalo. I'm like, this is nuts. You know, coyotes this close to, to residential houses. This is kind of, you know, these people have small pets and kids. I'm like, yeah, I'm not liking this idea. No. Well, and where I live, I'm, I'm counting out in the middle between Omaha and Lincoln in a little village, about 168 people. So uh, we have a lot of crops around us. You know, the, the village isn't that big. And, you know, we like to say a traffic jam here is is three cars behind a combine. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good traffic jam. Yeah, yeah, the, tra the combine's wide enough. They're going to take a good part of the road because it's just a single road going in. And, and, right. And, no matter the three ways out, it's all single road or gravel road. So <laughs> exactly. That's a good traffic jam, though. Yeah. Yeah, I don't mind the combine's going down. I was like, yeah, I'm not in a hurry. I'd like just you know, when they get a chance, they'll pull over far enough I can get by. And if not, exactly. they're not going that far because it's only a mile out to the highway. <laughs> and they're going to the next field down anyways to jump on that field to do some cutting. So yeah. 
you know, on, on the way out, there's a field on both sides of the uh, uh, the road going out for that mile and across the streets, another field. And uh, that's at one of the places we have to hunt by the creek. And it's, it, it's, it's uh, interesting when you live in a small town, you know, you can, you can end up, you can leave stuff out. Nobody really bothers it. You know, there's times we left and forgot to lock the house. I was like, uh, we didn't lock the house. In fact, we let the front door open. <laughs> That's you a nice part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nice don't worry about it. Definitely. Get in the big cities. That's not the case. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Big metropolitan areas ain't the case. You better lock everything up and lock everything down because you may not be there when you got home. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We, we'd have to drive in great big pillars and anchor it down and everything else if we lived in a big city with some of the stuff we have. Not no doubt. Yeah, the boat would disappear, the four-wheeler disappear overnight. <laughs> we just leave it parked out front like one of our cars <laughs> most of the yeah. time. See, a lot of the uh, small towns around here, people live right out front of their houses in their driveway, doors wide open, garage wide open, sheds wide open, nobody bothers nothing in some of the small towns. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's pretty nice. Every once in a while, we'll have something go on, but you know, not too often. Yeah, it's not not as often as doing big cities. That's for sure. No, no. Well, uh, what are your parting thoughts that you tell somebody that's um, just looking to start out in archery? Go visit a local pro shop. Talk to them. Do some research. Your pro shop is the best place to buy a bow because they're going to set you up right. They're going to set that bow up to you right, correct draw length, correct draw length, um, get you set up with the right arrows, the right equipment. And some of the shops will offer, you know, lessons on how to shoot the bow. Some will throw them in with the purchase of the bow from them. And again, you know, supporting your small local businesses over a big box store. I, I promote, like I say, supporting a local business, your mom and pop shops, which most of these archery shops, pro shops, are mom and pop run stores, family operations. You're supporting them where these big box stores like Cabela's, Bass Pro Shops, whatever, are corporate conglomerates. You're not getting the service from them places as you would a mom and pop store. The kid that's working at archery counter today is working a clothing department tomorrow. And he may not be knowledgeable on the equipment he's selling, trying to set up. He may set up, not saying he will, but right. potentially it's not being set up properly to you. Then you're going to have to take it to a pro shop. It's going to cost you even more money now to have it yep. set up to you. So I, my, my biggest suggestion is go to your pro shop, your local pro shop, wherever you may be. Try as many bows as you possibly can so you get one that feels right in your hand. It feels right to you. Decide to make that purchase. Make that purchase again from a local shop where you're going to get that one-on-one -on -one service and commitment from that shop set up to you and if, if the equipment is set up properly for you you are going to have so much more enjoyment using that equipment shooting that equipment 
and you won't get injured with it being properly set up for you, proper draw lengths and all that stuff like that. And you'll, you'll, you'll enjoy the sport more. Yeah, you know, that's kind of what I say, you know, go go to the pro shop because they're going to, there's a better chance of having somebody knows what's going on. When you go to like Bass Pro and Cabela's, and I worked at both of them. Um, fortunately, you know, if you went to the Bass Pro when I was working there, we had four people that knew what was going on, knew how to work on bows. Um, and then when I was at Cabela's, when I moved over to there, I was I was teaching the archery manager how to work on bows because he didn't know. And then another buddy of mine moved over. And then, so we had people there that knew what's going on. But now when you go into um, last night in, in Cabela's, if you even had anybody in the archery department um, that knew anything, you know, I had one guy I talked to, he said, well, um, I applied for something else and they said they got an opening in archery. And uh, so, well, I shot a bow when I was a kid. So now he's selling bows. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, it's been great talking with you. Um, I, I'm sure our listeners got some good information, and it, that's that's what always fun uh, talking with different archers all over the world. And um, yeah, it's it's been really great talking with you. And happy birthday again! And go go enjoy the rest of your birthday and have fun. Uh, thank you, Roy. Great talking with you. And you know, you want to do another one? Sometimes we can. I'm game for another yeah. one. And it was definitely, uh, definitely a pleasure talking with you. And uh, I appreciate the invite. And thank you for the happy birthday. And uh, everybody else out there, uh, happy 4th of July. Enjoy your 4th with your family and be safe. And have a great archery season, everybody. Yeah. Uh, my name is Roy Canterbury. I've been hosting the Arch Talk 101.